Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, our panel today is just me and Rhiannon, the New York Comic Con crew. So uh, we had a good time this weekend, and uh, so we're going to talk about our experience there as well as share some interviews and stuff with you, and we're excited about it. Did you have a good time at the con this weekend, Rhiannon? Yes, yes, it was a wonderful weekend. Um... And I don't know about you, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like, we're actually recording this back at our respective homes, and so um, it's just such a tiring and busy weekend, like, there's just no time to even record the podcast, and I think we get better audio this way anyway, so uh, just uh, just keep listening. If there's long bouts of silence, it just means the two of us have fallen asleep, because we're <laughs> tired, so... Uh, we do want to encourage you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. I think we have some new viewers from the folks that picked up Charles' excellent Dark Phoenix remix trailer. That was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you also can check out the second podcast in our Marvel News Desk family. That is AP Marvel. And I know I saw it. What was this week's? The Evolution of Thor. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Talking about the, the development of Thor. So uh, definitely check out that podcast. Uh, we uh, we'll spent some time with Chris Compendio, who helps run that podcast uh, this weekend. So it was really cool to see him in New York as well. All right. Um, before we jump into the fun Comic-Con stuff, I have three items, Rhiannon, that we need to talk about. And I'm calling them all stupid things that we have to talk about because we want to be a complete podcast and that we're both going to think I think are stupid. So, um, if you have not seen, there has been a suggestion by the uh, website MCU Cosmic. Uh, they believe they have good sourcing that the Avengers 4 will be called Avengers Annihilation. Uh, and then Mark Ruffalo was on Jimmy Fallon and they did like a whole kind of bit and please, it's a bit. It was not something that really happened. It was a bit where Mark Ruffalo supposedly gave the title of the movie and then spoiled what would happen in the movie. And they were supposedly like bleeping out everything he said. Um, people are trying to like decompress the audio to like figure out what's behind the bleep. And now, um, they're saying that it's going to be called Avenger, the last, uh, it's going to be called The Last Avenger, which bleep is an appropriate word for what I think this story is. I mean, I heard in one story that they actually did nothing but play a bleep noise on set. Like the people in the audience didn't hear anything but a loud overhead. Uh, even if they didn't, there's no way Mark Ruffalo was stupid enough to share it. And also we're supposed to believe an entire audience like heard this and nobody leaked it on Twitter. Like, I'm sorry. Anyways, there was a lot of stupidness going on about this. Uh, do you think either of these titles is actually the title Rhiannon or is either of these a good title? I, I no, no, I, I think it was a publicity stunt. It was nothing. Um, you know, they're playing games. Um, and no, I don't like the title. What was it? I just remember seeing it and going, eh, I don't like that. One was Avengers Annihilation. That's the one from MCU Cosmic. And the other one is uh, The Last Avenger. No. No. 
I mean, that would be a cool play on the first Avenger, the last Avenger, whatever, but yeah. But also, the last Star Wars movie was called The Last Jedi, and half of Star Wars fandom hates Marvel, like, hates Disney so much for that movie. There's no way in the world that they would bring on the PR of, like, echoing a title that so clearly is related to a movie that was such a controversial thing for them. Like, I just don't believe that. I think it's possible that Ruffalo did call it The Last Avenger on Fallon, and I think that's possible that it's Disney winking at us being like, nice try, guys. None of this is right. Yeah, yeah. I I think they'll announce it when they announce it, and it won't be Ruffalo announced. I I don't think those guys actually know. I I don't see... Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why any of the uh, cast members in the movie would know what they... They likely did everything of this under Avengers 4. There's no reason for them to know the name of the movie. What you have to believe is that they have managed to masterfully keep all the secrets tied up and hidden and they've managed to keep this film title totally hidden from us for this long and then at this point this close to the end of the finish line they're gonna fumble it away by ruffalo appearing on jimmy fallon there's no way in the this is just like the spider-man um far from home some of the publicity they did where he would do like an instagram post and he's like well, I'm not supposed to reveal anything, so I won't. And then he'd like show the script, and everyone's like, "Oh, look, Tom! Tom released more." I mean, they're just—they know that that Ruffalo and Holland have these reputations, and they're just playing up for kicks and giggles. Like this is—it seems very silly to me. Um, and that doesn't even mention that if they're going to do a movie called Avengers: Annihilation, the villain in it needs to be Annihilus and the Annihilation Wave, and I find it very unlikely that they're going to make a movie if that's not the case. And I'm pretty sure that the Annihilation Wave is not going to happen in Avengers 4. So that is the first piece of news that we think is stupid, but we feel like we should talk about. <laughs> oh talking God, about there's more. <laughs> talking about stupid news, um, we need to at least mention this. Venom made 80 freaking million dollars today, or this weekend. So... What we know about Venom now is it apparently sucks. Neither of us have seen it yet. And it made enough money that it's going to embolden Sony to continue to produce this crap. Um, are you disheartened, as I am, that people actually went out to see this piece of junk? And, you know, I, I haven't seen it. Maybe I'll feel differently when I have. But every person I've talked to has been like, meh. Like, the best thing I've heard is I loved it a lot because I laughed because it was stupid. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's almost. I imagine at this point the the sales on Venom are from people wanting to see it to know why it's so bad. Um, I mean that's where like I almost want to see it more now because everybody is talking about how incredibly. I mean, one person put it as worse than all of the DCEU movies or any individual DCEU movie. Um. So I almost want to see it now just to know why. So that was actually the question I was going to ask you. So this has actually piqued your interest? Like you're more yes. likely to go see it now that you've heard that it's terrible? Yes. Yes. Like, oh, I mean, funny. you know, there comes a point where something, like, it's Ed Wood level of, like, horrible movie. So, 
I mean, I was going to go see it anyways, so that, like, we could talk about it, but now I'm more interested. I do love your allusion to Ed Wood. That's possibly going to uh, date you a little bit. I'll <laughs> be up there with the Zima. I'm guessing most of the young, younger viewers don't know what Ed Wood is. Uh, I don't expect many people to know what Ed Wood is. But Ed Wood was a horrible filmmaker, and there was a movie made about him called Ed Wood, where Johnny Depp was Ed Wood, but that was still in Zima days. So, um, yeah, he was a horrible, horrible filmmaker to a uh, hilarious degree. Yeah. Um, we really, we're not going to talk about it much because we haven't seen it. and we'll, We will, I don't know, it may take us a couple weeks to get to it based on we can talk about daredevil next week and i think we're real excited to do so so um but we'll we'll talk about venom more when we've seen it i i will say that i think um you know it's made a lot of money it made another 125 overseas and so i think morbius with jared leto is definitely happening now so just keep on bringing the crap sony you know ugh we do have something good to say about Sony, I think, a little later, so. Oh, yeah, sure, maybe. Uh, final stupid bit of news that we have to talk about. Uh, Dark Phoenix dropped a trailer since we recorded the last podcast. Um, Charles at our website immediately did a great job of replacing all that footage with X3 footage, and you could hardly tell there was any difference. Um, they also did this really weird thing. We just have to talk about this because it's so bizarre. They released a trailer with the February release date and then the next day pushed the release date into the later into the summer, I think into June or July or something. I, I mean, you know, sometimes we like tease how incompetent these people are because it makes for decent content, but... Like, in reality, how do you re- release a trailer for a movie and then a day later push it back another six months, like four months? Does this make any sense to you at all, or are they just totally making it up as they go at this point? I have no idea. None at all. Um. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. Oh, yawn. <laughs> And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> no, I did. I was surprised. Did you know that they did a panel on Dark Phoenix at, at New York? What? Yeah, we okay. missed something. We were there, and I had no idea. I got home last night, and they were like, "See, you know, New York Comic Con treated to fifteen minutes of footage from Dark Phoenix." And I was like, "There was a Dark Phoenix panel. Like we were there. I probably would have gone to it if I had known it existed." But that's how low it is. Like, we were there at the convention. I did not hear a single person go, hey, are you going to go see the uh, Dark Phoenix panel? Like, Was it a Dark Phoenix panel or was it a, like, movies Fox may scrap panel? Or <laughs> I'm not a, sure. Uh... It, it, and it may have been, I think I maybe heard that it was, like, may, maybe it was a, uh, it wasn't actually at the con. It was, like, off-site off at, like, a movie theater or something. Oh. Uh, but. Okay. I don't know it's 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 bizarre i mean we're hardly the best conners in the world but i don't think that's how you say that but like we know something about being at a comic-con and we didn't even know it was there and we were there so 
I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt unprepared, but I think we would have at least noticed we were missing that, like the gifted panel today. I vaguely knew I was missing the gifted panel today. Yeah. But... All right. So that's the end of stupid stuff we don't want to talk about. Let's talk about fun stuff that we actually do want to talk about. So um, I think our weekend, and you were there starting on Thursday. But there was no Marvel stuff for you Thursday, is that right? That I knew of. It's entirely possible that I missed something like a Dark Phoenix panel. <laughs> Did you know there was a Dark Phoenix panel? No. I didn't okay. think there was a Dark Phoenix panel. I thought maybe she just did some, like, Q&A either at the sci-fi thing oh. or... Can you hear any of this? Oh, anyways. Shelby thinks that there was a Q&A or something in the sci-fi booth. So there, there was, I do know that we missed a Q and a because it was happening during the spider verse panel and they said there would be the X-Men cast and Sophie Turner and Sh- Ty uh, Sheridan were the only two guys to show up. Like it's just a, a cast of like 15 people and only two of them bothered to even come. Oh, okay. All right. Then maybe that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember anything happening on Thursday. It was a very light day. <laughs> this is going to be a great podcast. So Friday, we Sorry, did get guys. to hang out with... Uh, first thing we did, first thing in the morning, after we fought with the security guards to let us in for our appointment, was that we got to go uh, speak with the cast of Runaways. So this was really cool. They let uh, Rhiannon and I into a kind of roundtable press room. We sat down at a table, and they brought the cast of Runaways one at a time to the table... And we actually sat down, literally sat down. He was two feet from me. He would, I could touch him if I wasn't afraid that he'd break my hand. Um, Jeff Loeb was right next to us at the table. Uh, just what was that experience like? Just quickly, like if we can be <laughs> narcissistic for a moment. What? Did, how? Did, how was that? Was it fun to be able to do? I, I got had a really good time. I. I. What's funny is we're sitting there and like we we've. I mean like. All of the Runaways cast, the chil- the the children, the younger part of the cast, was sat at our table, and they were all wonderful. I mean, it, they just all had the greatest energy, smiles, and all that. Um, and like obviously, like Greg Sulkin is a huge deal, but Jeff Loeb sat next to us, sat there. I could ask him questions, and I was legitimately starstruck into silence. Like, I I had my chance, you guys. Even when it was over, Caleb turned to me and he's like, seriously? Seriously, <laughs> you just had Jeff Loeb? <laughs> and you didn't ask him about the Netflix schedule. And, um, yeah, I, I was starstruck. By him. Like, when it came to the kids. Like, yeah, sure, I whatever. Uh, but Jeff Loeb, man, that was a big deal. I wanted to ask him for a selfie afterwards, but, like, yeah, he ran away too quickly. Yeah, he was whisked away by his... And probably not professional. Yeah, we tried to not totally embarrass ourselves in in that spot, so... I'm not sure if we succeeded, but I think we did all right. Yeah, I think... I don't... uh, Yeah, I don't think we embarrassed ourselves. I don't know. We don't know what those other people were saying after we left. Yeah. My my favorite moment, actually, they started a little bit late. <laughs> One of the Hulu people said, all right, guys, just want you to know they're on their way. We're just running a little behind. And then they said something kind of sarcastic, like, 
just remember the cast is full of teenagers. It's kind of hard to get them out of bed in the morning. <laughs> and I thought that was really, really funny. <laughs> yes. So uh, we've got a little bit of audio here. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to insert here uh, just one question from each of the people. Uh, I think everything we've got here, there's nothing real earth shattering, nothing real spoilery, but they talk a little bit about season two and their characters. Uh, a couple of these questions were also just fun. What ifs that we kind of threw out their way as far as crossovers and stuff. And so uh, we're going to listen to that now, and then we'll uh, talk about the Runaways panel after. This is Renzi Feliz talking about uh, his role as Alex Wilder. As the only character without, like, superpowers or a pet raptor, (laughs) does that inform kind of how you play Alex? Like, does he have a thing where he kind of feels like he has to compensate for not bringing something to the table? I think as an actor, maybe I feel like I would love a power or something, Um, (laughs) and so I'd try and compensate. No, but... um, I think he understands his his group his role in the group. I think, and especially more in the second season, um, as it goes on, you will sort of see him step up and and do what needs to be done. And and I think he proves his role in in the Runaways as well, um, even more so this time when he sort of gets the chance to do that. Um, yeah. So even without those powers, he finds a way to use his head to that it's still beneficial and useful for the group. So this is kind of far out, but. Uh, Luke Cage, I mean, Alex appears in Luke Cage comics. Any, like, part of you that's just hopeful for, like, Luke C- Cage season 10? I'm in. Roll over there? Do you know any of those guys? I am 1,000% in. If they could get me in to be a villain over there on Luke Cage, I'll be very... He plays a villain, right? Yeah, He's yeah, on, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be very excited at square off against Mike. That'd be great. Here's Greg Sulkin talking about his character, Chase Stein. In season one, uh, your character is really good at being in high school. Like, he's popular, he's athletic. What does it mean for Chase that all these places that gave him affirmation are gone now? That he's now in a world where the things that he was good at don't really matter anymore. Um, I think it's it's a new start for Chase. Um, I think he's finding his new identity. I think he's always felt that, yes, maybe in school he was he was this jock, but I don't think he truly felt that was him. I think he really admired his dad and how smart he was. Um, and I thought he, I think he knew that there was always more to him. And so I don't think he ever expected to be challenged in this way and to, to expedite the process of figuring himself out. But I think over the course of the second season, it, it's a, there's a massive growth for Chase. And probably has the biggest arc of, of all the characters in the show, to be honest, over the course of the second season. Chase's love interest of his, is, of course, Gert, uh, played by Ariella Bearer. Uh, her relationship with Chase this season is very surprising. I was not expecting the route that they take, but I think it's beautiful. And I think the two of them get to be vulnerable in ways that I never expected personally. And that characters like this rarely get to be Gert gets to be this like strong independent woman while also opening herself up to this other person and and being scared and finding strength in that and and Chase gets to be you know this jock and but also the sweet sensitive but still masculine guy you know like he gets to he gets to kind of redefine that word for himself in a way and I think that's a really cool thing to get to see a young guy do and this is Virginia Gardner. She plays Carolina Dean. So 
anything that you feel like fans are going to get really excited for for this season? There's two characters that are introduced this year that I think fans are going to be really, really excited for. So those are going to be really two huge reveals when they happen. Cool. <laughs> and what do you feel like is the difference between this being a binge show, I guess for you guys too, and, yeah. and being episode by episode? Well, last year was episode by episode. This year you can binge all episodes at the same time, which I just, I like that format actually better when I'm excited about a TV show I want to be able to just sit at home all day and like burn through all the episodes so I think I think it's a way to keep people more engaged in the show because there's no fall off after episode 5 because people kind of forget you know like I just think it keeps people really engaged the show's really pushed Los Angeles kind of as a character yeah but it's a very different part of Los Angeles I think this season than yeah. it was last what was that like the different sets the different places that you guys got to go yeah, it was really cool. Last season, I feel like we saw we saw like the Brentwood and like the rich places in LA. And this season, we're seeing Hollywood Boulevard, we're seeing the streets of LA, we're seeing downtown, we're seeing a lot of Griffith Park. So this season, just in general, I think the way it's lit, the tone of the show, it feels a lot grittier. Like it feels like we're actually on the run, on the streets. It doesn't feel like pampered Brentwood kids anymore. And now a few questions with Molly Hernandez herself, Allegra Acosta. There's a lot of um, physical and actually mental development that Molly goes through this year, but she's naturally aware of her abilities, and I think she's fighting with that to like pursue it and like take it. Like her natural drive is to go save the world. I think she's natural, a natural born leader and a natural born superhero. And the thing is, is that she's dealing with is that she has her friends who want to protect her and shield her from the world that they experience because she's the youngest but they don't understand that she's ready to take on anything. So her arc is very much exploring her powers and her abilities and also exploring um, her heritage and finally the way she grows up. So Disney has acquired Fox, which means Marvel gets to use mutants. So <laughs> eventually... I know. So the marriage is happening. <laughs> so what do you want to see happen? Um... Okay, Spider-Man, come to say hello to the Runaways. Um, I would love to, if one, my dream would be if the Wolverine could come back, just so I could, like, punch him. Like, just so I could have the <laughs> iconic battle in the comic books. And also, uh, to see if Molly ever, because at the end of the comic, she goes to the X-Men. I don't know how that would do with time. If she gets, like, little voices from um, Charles Xavier, that would be really cool. With Lyrica O'Connor, uh, who plays Nico. Oh yeah, you will. Um, reluctantly, she doesn't. She's not keen on being a leader. She, she would much rather just, you know, be in the background of every, everything to take care of everything, you know, in the background. But Nico, Alex has a lot on his plate this season, and so does Nico, and so they kind of have to share that role of being the leader of the group. Last, but certainly not least, this is a little bit of our conversation with Stephanie Savage, the showrunner, and Mr. Jeff Loeb, Executive Vice President, Marvel Television. Speaking of all those characters, this show has a gigantic <laughs> cast when you think about it. Yeah. Do you yes. guys have like charts to make sure everybody gets enough screen time? How do you kind of balance all the characters? Um, in terms of plotting the stories... Uh, we do try to find that balance, but and it, the the cast is very cool in understanding that we're telling a larger story, and if their character doesn't have a ton to do that week, we'll just wait till next week because then they'll be up at bat. Um, so it's very supportive in that way, but it's definitely uh, something that needs to be considered and juggled. 
Uh, it, it, it's unlike any other show that we have, and, and I think that really speaks to the way that Josh and Stephanie have been able to sort of build out a show that not only has the pairings that you would normally talk about, but one of the things that we talked about this season is, okay, how do we get this person who we've never seen with this person in a, in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, they just bumped into each other. And, and so that's a way that you can keep the story really alive and fresh is because you're now suddenly telling, oh, these kids with that parent or these this pair and that pair. We've definitely had moments where we've uh, talked about scenes where there's like seven people in a car and then we're like, wait, this person doesn't know these other people. We have to like address that. I'm sure you guys hear a lot about crossovers. Naturally, Cloak and Dagger in the comics have a good relationship. They're both teen shows. Is there talk about that that you can tell us about? Uh, let's let's answer it a different way, which is okay. that, that it, it certainly does feel like, given the fact that the show takes place in Los Angeles, so that we're not dealing a lot of with what's going on in New York, uh, and given that we do like having points of connectivity. It's a new one. Uh, <laughs> points of connectivity. Uh, hashtag. Uh, so, yes, exactly. Um, I, but, but it certainly felt to us at Marvel Television that it, it seemed unlikely that if you're six kids who, and a dinosaur, uh, whose parents have murdered someone and you're on the run, that you're not sitting around going, hmm, that Daredevil guy seems kind of interesting. Wonder what he's up to. Um, you know, it, what's funny about it is, is it, it, it sort of rings very true when you when you talk to uh, kids that are in high school and, and you, you say to them, you know, well, you know this person who's 25 years old and they look at you like, you mean somebody that's like my grandfather's age? Like, it, it's, we, we have to be very careful in terms of what would be realistic in terms of where their interests are or who they're, they might want to connect to. And there are certainly two young people that are running around in New Orleans right now that are, are faced with similar but, but different kinds of situations. Uh, and so I, I think the major answer is who knows. <laughs> so the next more, uh, little bit, a couple hours later, we had the Runaways panel in Madison Square Garden. Uh, we don't want to, we're not supposed to do anything like a review. We're not trying to ruin anything. We don't want to spoil anything. Uh, did you have any just general reactions to how you felt about Runaway Season 2 based on that one episode that you saw, Rhiannon? I mean, I really don't. It felt a lot like, I mean, it didn't feel like a whole new world or anything. It felt like more of the same. Um, and I... I... What is interesting is I found is, is that you did consistently hear I appeared not to be the only person that's like finally they've run away that that thinks that's a good thing. Um, so I enjoyed the whole episode. I have to say, by the end of Con, I was tired of every single panel having a full episode. Um, it was like just getting a bunch of first episodes. Of a lot of things, um, which includes like Beyond Marvel. I went to some other panels, but um, yeah, it, it it was good. 
I, I, this is not, I don't think this surprises anybody. We saw them run away at the end of last season. Uh, there's a big setting shift, which I think is the biggest tonal shift that they're runaways now. And we saw at the end of season one, um, Alex is trying to hit up um, his dad's enemy Darius for some cash just so they have enough money to like buy lunch. Right. And so this season picks up exactly where it left off last. And that whole setting and context of these really rich, spoiled kids living on the streets as homeless people. Um, I mean, I think that's the biggest shift in the show and it's the shift that we all expected. And I think it's interesting. I think it does create some fascinating dramas for them. So um, I think that was kind of interesting to see where that, that picked up. So, all right. I think that, I think that does it. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm um, I think it's, I think if you like season one, you'll like this. If you hated season one, I'm guessing you'll hate this. So I don't know. We'll, we'll say more about it later, but it, it does. Uh, it was kind of a continuation of what they've done. So, all right. Um, I think that does it for Friday. Friday was Runaways Day. And so then Saturday, after Rhiannon got up very early to wait in line. Oh, go ahead. I mean, Friday was also the AOL. It was outside of Comic-Con, the AOL build series for Daredevil. So it was the first time I got to see Oh, that's right. What was that like? I didn't... Again, that's something I didn't totally understand was going on, so... Yeah, AOL Build Series, um, it's an off... I mean, it's completely separate. It was just coincidentally during Comic-Con. But it is this tiny little place. We didn't realize it. Um, You know, like, we, we had tickets and we're standing out there, and there were a bunch of people standing out there to get autographs and stuff. But... They came and they counted off, like, the first ten people in line, and we happened to be the first ten. And at the time, I assumed they had, like, 50 people they had already taken inside. But they took the ten of us, and we just, like, sat on a bench inside while, like, the cast came in. And then they brought in, like, another ten people, and then the room was full. Um, And then they brought in some more couches and stools and stuff. So there were maybe 30, 40 people in the room by the time they squeezed in as many people as they could. And then the whole cast was right there. And it was just, you know, like the whole interview is online. You can look at the AOL Build series. Um, But it was just a super, super intimate venue. We were sitting right there. Um, I mean, I, I, it it was super cool. Uh, And the cast... You could just feel the chemistry that they have. The new folks, the the folks that have been there for the past two seasons. Um, it was just the really nice first look at this new, the you know, the the chemistry of the new group that they have together. Because there's three new cast members that they brought to all of these interviews. Um, JLE, Wilson Bethel, and Joanne that plays Sister Maggie. And uh, that was a lot to have. Um you know, there was a lot of joking about how they brought them in and everything. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend if you might can go to one of these AOL build things. It was a super cool experience. And it sounds like you said they can watch it online too. If you want to have that experience internet wise. Yeah. If it's not online now, it will be at some point. That's what it's intended to be. And I should say we had our meetup Friday night, which was really great. We had some friends of the show there. Michael T for the third, our commenter extraordinaire, unofficial fourth guy on the show. He uh, he was there. It was good to see him and talk to him. 
And uh, so, yeah, we had a lot of a lot of good times. So back to her uh, Saturday morning. So uh, I <laughs> I only got up at like seven. You got up at seven. That's yes. No, um, no. I got there at seven. Right. So I got up earlier. So you waited in line and then I like a total bum uh, just <laughs> strolled in much closer to time and you had an extra seat. And you let me sit up front graciously, even though. I did not wake up and get there at seven. So <laughs> that makes you an awesome friend. <laughs> I actually had some, there were some Outlander fans in front of us that just wanted their seats held and not have to sit through the panel. I, I, I apologize folks. If I had had you able to text very quickly, you could have sat up in the sixth row. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I did. It's really funny because I'm usually really self-conscious about that kind of thing. When you said, come on up, I just like instinctually went. And after I sat down, I was like, I feel bad about this. Like all the other people behind me deserve to hate me for this. But <laughs> by that point I was there. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. By that point, your other seat was gone. Um, and the venue did fill up for uh, Daredevil. I mean, it's one of those that they don't clear between panels. And um, it was definitely full for Daredevil. Now, some of that was Outlander fans planning to stay all day. Um, maybe a few Star Trek fans. And maybe the world has Walking Dead fans still. Um, but after the Daredevil panel, it looked like about half of the theater left. So a lot of those were truly there for Daredevil. Yeah, the, the lineup that day was, uh, first thing in the morning was Good Omens, which is a new Gale, Neil Gaiman show, and then we got Into the Spider-Verse, and then we got Daredevil, and then I think Star Trek, and then Outlander, and then finished with Walking Dead. My butt hurt after about three or four hours in that seat, so I cannot imagine the people that were there for Walking Dead who sat there all day. I mean, I don't know. It's a great venue, but those seats are not comfortable enough for a eight and a half hour seat. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we did the first thing we had that was Marvel related that any of you care about, if you're still listening, uh, was Into the Spider Verse, <laughs> um, which was really awesome. We got to see uh, most a lot of the cast was there. Uh, the actors who played Miles and Peter Parker and Miles' parents um, were there. Uh, as well as uh, the two directors and um, Lord and Miller, who are kind of didn't totally understand. They're the are they the executive producers or do they help write? I mean, I know they're pretty famous. They got fired off Solo, but they have some involvement with this movie. Yeah, I don't know. Were they directors? Well, no. So the two guys on the far right were the directors. But oh, okay. Sony brought them in in a production capacity, um, and it, it, I mean they're very funny people, and that we the, the footage we saw was very funny. It, it makes sense to me they're involved. Anyway, um, they sat down. We got to see all of those guys. They talked about their roles. They talked a bit about it. But then we got to see thirty five minutes of Into the Spider Verse. Uh, they showed us the first half hour. It was uh, some of it was unfinished, but uh, that's okay. We're not going to hit any plot points. I wouldn't even want to do that to you. Just general reaction, Rhiannon. Did you did you enjoy it? I mean, how did you feel it was compared to what you expected it to be? It was a little bit slower than I expected it to be. Um, but still enjoyable. 
Uh, one of my friends that was with us, you know, left it and she was like, I never would have been interested in this. And now I definitely want to see it. Um, but for me, like, I've been really psyched about it. And there's a lot of energy and a lot of connectivity and, you know, a lot of promises from the previews and the trailers and everything we've seen. But I like the premise. I think it's interesting. Um, it just felt a tiny bit slow to me. I think visually, we didn't see anything we haven't seen in the trailer as far as style or elements. But the way it all worked in motion... Like, I found myself, I don't know if breathless is the right word, but there were several times where something happened visually, and I was like, this is so cool. Like, I just don't, like, I saw that in the trailer, but now seeing it on the big screen and seeing it with the stuff before it and after it, it's just, um, it's most, it's the most interested animated movie I've seen, at least in a couple of years. Like, the only movie I can think of recently that reminds me of this as far as difference is, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. I don't know if you saw that movie. It had a very different animation style. But in a world where we have tons of like CGI that's like either Pixar or like DreamWork face or whatever, this is like unlike any other animation I feel like I've ever seen. It really does have a distinct tone that's kind of all its own. There was no great revelation at that panel. Nothing revealed, nothing we didn't already know. Yeah, I, I think there's there's some plot stuff. The way the movie fits together and the way the plot developed is not the way I thought this movie is going to be. But we, we, we don't want to talk mm -hmm. about any of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, generally, Sony, I just thought, was doing a really great job. I mean, I said, I said on Twitter, I think this is going to be my favorite Spider-Man movie ever. Just from what we saw. I mean, I was just so, so happy with what they're doing. And it was surprising and exciting, and I don't know. I was very, very pumped up by it. It's very much a Miles Morales movie, which I really love. Um, and it was, uh, I, I think, I guess this is part of what I was going to say. I was surprised how funny it was. I mean, I was laughing a lot, um, and I think the crowd was enjoying it a lot. I, I mean, you assume Spidey should be funny, but it's it was good. They kind of mentioned that they always felt like Spider-Man worked better as animated than a live-action thing, and I kind of believe them. Like, they had a really interesting line where they said, when you watch a Spider-Man movie, there's this moment where Peter Parker thwips out his web and jumps off the screen, and you feel like you almost see a seam in it where it's like, oh, that's where it went from live-action to CGI. And that's the cool thing about... Um, about the animation is that it's just all seamless. And I thought that was, uh, that was really exciting. And so I'm, I'm super pumped about it. I was really excited. That was actually, that was maybe my favorite thing Saturday. I know that's a bit sacrilege, uh, for the daredevil fans, but I loved the into the spiders verse stuff so much. Uh, and I'm just so pumped up by that movie. So yeah, not my favorite thing from Saturday. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, yeah, Michael T. Ford is saying in the live chat, um, he also was really excited to see that the movie does talk about Miles as being both an African-American and a Latino, right? Like, there's not... Um, they they kind of talked about both sides of that. I didn't realize his dad is the guy that plays Paperboy on Atlanta, which is so crazy to me because the dad is, like, really straight-laced, 
um, in the movie, but that actor is, you know, is, is kind of known for playing kind of a, a guy that gets on the wrong side of the law and stuff. So I thought he was hilarious and very fun. So, all right. Uh, all right, Rhiannon, we, <laughs> I forced you to go through all this preamble. Go ahead, take it away. The daredevil panel and all of its excellency. What, uh, what were you thinking, feeling as you, uh, went through the excitement of, of a daredevil season three panel? Um, well, luckily I got the warm up the day before. So, um, I was, I was kind of relieved we didn't get the first episode. Cause like I said, I, um, getting tired of sitting through full episodes during a panel. Um, though this would have only been my third. I mean, if we count Spider-Verse as like an episode, cause it was 35 minutes. Uh, but by the end I've seen like so many pilots and first episodes and they very carefully gave clips, um, very carefully gave clips that show you a little bit of all of the relationships going on. There was the Matt and Maggie clip, uh, that, that showed him presumably very early in the season being cared for by sister Maggie. Um, and just the great chemistry between the two of them. That was a wonderful little clip. There was, um, a scene with foggy and Karen and, uh, revealed that we'll be seeing a little bit of foggy's family, his father and brother. Um, which is interesting because in the comics, foggy has a sister. Uh, but it was, you know, a nice little foggy Karen clip where you see that they do still think Matt is dead. Um, they showed, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I remember what the last one was, but there was, um, there was a action scene with FBI agent number two before that last one. Before that last one, there was an action scene with FBI agent number two. Oh, 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 there was the, the parking lot, a little parking lot fight. Oh, uh, so um, there's, there was two. Yeah. So there was, there was a, a Matt parking lot fight that's in the trailer. Yep. Yeah. But the parking lot fight, they showed like the whole parking lot fight. Um, and that fight is just beautiful. Like it's, it shows a slightly different fighting style like Matt is like tiptoeing around and hiding behind columns and doing a side plank to hide behind a car and stuff so it's very cool I can't wait for everybody to see it it's very ninja like the way he moves around in that one yeah yeah uh and then it came time to introduce Wilson Bethel FBI agent number two um who Jeff Loeb was willing to go so far as say is Benjamin Poindexter I think. Um, and they allowed Wilson to finally announce that this season will be about Wilson Bethel becoming Bullseye. Or during this season, we will see Wilson Bethel become Bullseye. And then, I mean, you guys, what, what's the one thing I've been saying from a Bullseye storyline that I want? Uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt to carve the Bullseye into his forehead. And then Charlie walked over with a Sharpie and carved a bullseye into Wilson's forehead right there on the stage with a Sharpie. And by carved, she means wrote, but nonetheless. (laughs) 
I don't care. It's probably the closest I'm going to get to the bullseye carved into his full forehead. And um, if it was possible for me to love Charlie Cox anymore, I do. Because he did that. It's... As far as, like, the crowd reaction, I mean, they were hinting to it. I think we all knew what was coming. But um, they showed us a little, like, bullseye trailer, which now you can see. It's online. Uh, They posted it right after the the panel was over. There was just some shots of bullseye in the show. And there's a scene where there's a baseball cap that has a bullseye logo on it. And when that logo hit the screen, the entire 5,000 people, like, freaking went off. Like, the excitement in that room about the bullseye announcement was so fun to be part of. There were a few confused Outlander fans. Three specifically sitting directly in front of us. <laughs> but... <laughs> but 4,997 people lost their minds. <laughs> yeah. Um... And it's nice for us that that's finally been revealed. Like, because we've known, you know, that Bullseye was going to be there, but we couldn't say it officially. And so it's really nice now that that's out there. I mean, it was kind of stupid because as Loeb even said in the panel, people have known for a year that that's who that was going to be. But, you know, it was kind of this coy, like, well, maybe not, you know, kind of thing. I wish they had just let us know we could include it in our reviews because now I have to go back and rewrite our review. Um... (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That got Shelby to wake up and giggle. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, that's obviously the biggest news. I mean, they, they've completely stopped in these panels, giving us renewals and announcements for new seasons. And I mean, Mike Coulter has said something about being in, uh, them starting Luke Cage season three. And we still haven't even officially heard that there'll be a Luke Cage season three. Have we? I don't know. We're just not getting that type of information in these panels anymore. I I do think the closest we got, he didn't mean it this way, but Jeff Loeb did explicitly use the phrase in the panel. It's so exciting for us to have five ongoing series at Netflix. And I thought that was fascinating because first of all, it suggests that Iron Fist and Luke Cage are ongoing. And second of all, it, clearly means that the defenders is not an ongoing series in his mind. So I thought that was very illustrative of where Jeff Loeb's head is at as far as Netflix goes. Yeah. Or defenders is ongoing and iron fist is dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I don't think that was it. Uh... I don't think that's it either, but just, you know, there's other ways to get to five. Right, right, right. That's true. Um, so yeah, so that panel, I mean, I enjoyed, I mean, that, that, the, the bullseye, I mean, that's the thing too. Like, even though we've seen screeners, that bullseye trailer was still amazing. Still there, it still took my breath away when you see the full scope of what this villainy is going to be. Yeah. And so that was the last thing we saw was a, was a fight scene with Matt and bullseye. Oh, that, oh my gosh, that was so scary. So, I mean, again, I've seen that before. I was like, (gasps) like, there was so many gasps. And some of it makes me, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but I kind of am not liking that this is on Netflix. Because seeing it on a screen that big and an audience full of people, 
made me realize this would be so good if it was a movie. Like if I could watch Daredevil and Bullseye fight on a big, like an IMAX screen on a Thursday night when a movie released, it would be a great experience. And I wish Netflix would do, would allow, you know, would do some sort of licensing to do, if they would do marathons, like, um, there was a theater in North Carolina, because I was in North Carolina back when season two came out, that planned to do a season two marathon. Like, starting, they were going to start at six in the afternoon, or like eight at night or something, and go until the next morning and serve breakfast and stuff like that, to watch the whole season straight through on the big screen with a bunch of other people. And I imagine, I mean, they canceled it, but I imagine they ran into Netflix issues with, you know, you're not allowed to do stuff like that. Um, but I would just love that because it is so much fun to watch it with a bunch of other people and get the collective reaction and, um, oh, that fight scene, the, the bullseye daredevil fight scene, guys, it's just amazing. Yeah. I, I think just kind of as far as the marketing goes, um, and I think it's okay to say this. I think what they did was a lot better than if they had given us the first episode as far as advertising Definitely. the show, right? Definitely. Yes. They were able to give us a good, a good sampling of things. Yeah. They, they, I think they really helped people see what this season will be like instead of what an episode of the season will be like. So mm-hmm. there, there's something to be said about them from a marketing perspective, mixing it up like they did this time. Because I think we went in all assuming we were going to see the first episode. It actually, on Friday night, as we were talking, as we were talking, I was like, you know, maybe it would be smart if they didn't. And so when they didn't, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like, I think they gave everybody a little bit of, of everything they want. And um, the tra- like I said, the, the bullseye trailer, as I called it, that came out that's available for all you people to see on the internet is really good. And it gives you a little taste of that character, so... I mean, it seemed super spoilery to me. A lot of stuff that they gave seemed super, super spoilery to me. There was one clip they showed that as it started, I out loud was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're showing this. Um, I think the show is strong enough that that's not going to matter. There's one shot in that. I think we're talking about the same shot where it was not at all what I expected. I kind of expected to see the inverse of what I saw. And instead we saw what we saw. And that was very interesting. Hopefully we've been vague enough. Uh, we get to talk about this next week in our spoiler-free review of this show, and I there there's going to be a lot of thoughts. So, um, all right. Uh, that's that was the end of the con for me. I then ran to Grand Central Station and came home. Was there anything else interesting uh, for you, Rhiannon, from the weekend that you kind of wanted to talk about before we wrap up? not really I want to apologize for not covering anything of the gifted that did have a panel today I haven't seen anything come out of it but um and I didn't see anything like at the Marvel booth they had no gifted posters nothing for the series which I don't remember them having anything before either so uh and I guess I've never seen Legion stuff there so the marketing must be completely different for the Fox properties but um I apologize for not covering that very well at all. (laughs) 
we couldn't do everything. I mean, there's like I would have loved to gone to uh, there was a Marvel Rising thing that was that happened that you know we were able to get to. Um, I wanted to go to some of the comic stuff, but wasn't able to get to it. So uh, they really do pack these shows like. I don't think if you've never gone to a con, the overwhelming feeling when you pick up the booklet that shows all the schedules and try to sort through what everything is, is, is pretty strong. Like there's so much to try to figure out what's what. So, yeah, I got fairly close to Taika YTT today, but that wasn't a Marvel related panel. We should, I mean, it is interesting. Uh, Remember we had a news piece that he was in to talk with Disney about directing something and they thought maybe it would be another Marvel movie? It was mm-hmm. revealed last week. I don't know if you saw that um, John Favreau's new Mandalorian Star Wars live action show that's going to be on Disney streaming. Yes, yes. Taika's doing an episode of that. So I assume that that meeting that people thought might be a Marvel meeting was actually a Lucasfilm meeting. So, And we also saw David Tennant up close at one of the panels. For, for Good Omens. Yes. So that was another quasi-Marvel thing. Yeah. Not quite as close as I got to Taika, but yeah. David looked much more well-rested than Taika. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Taika looked exhausted. I always feel like these podcasts are... Um, they're like sharing vacation photos when you come home with your friends. You're like, and guys... This photo, okay, we did this thing and it was so cool, blah, 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 blah. And your friend's like, uh, okay, whatever. Like, I always feel like that these episodes should be more exciting than they are. But it's hard to, I think, translate yeah. the experience. If you ever get a chance to go to a big con like New York or San Diego, you really should do it. Like, being in a room with 5,000 other people that care about the weird crap you care about as much as you care about it is such a, like, affirming, fun, exciting experience that you really should uh, take a shot at if you get a chance. So, All right. Um, any other thoughts, Rhiannon, before we, we uh, finish off this episode here? No, no. I mean, nothing mind-blowing at all at the con. It seemed to just be sort of like, here's what we've created. We hope you love it. Not No big announcements, no big revelations. Um, just an enjoyable time. Well, we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can interact with us lots of ways. You can send us messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk, or you can communicate with us uh, at our MarvelNewsDesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. You'll also get access to our special MCU film ranking episode that's available only to our Patreon supporters, as well as early access to a lot of our videos that go on YouTube. Uh, we will be doing a uh, Patreon-only podcast again uh, coming up here near the holiday season, so that's a time to jump on. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk or subscribe to our YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, you can help the show be more visible to others if you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes. But the number one most important thing you do, however, each week is you listen and you tell your friends, and we're very appreciative of that. Uh, thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. Uh, and also thank you to Alvin for the theme music. You can find him on a variety of social media platforms as uh, at the Skull School. Uh, next week, we will be a little more awake and we'll be talking about Daredevil. Uh, maybe talk. I don't know. Do you think we can talk about Daredevil and Venom or not? I don't know. It depends on what we record. Anyways, we'll definitely talk Daredevil next week. Maybe we'll save Venom for some boring week in November. Uh, so... Uh, Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, We'll talk to you later.